Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. From the Society for Nautical Research, I'm Sam Willis, and this is the Mariner's Mirror podcast, the world's number one podcast dedicated to all of maritime history. It's the 30th of November. This continues our series of excerpts from the logbook of the whaler Swan of Hull from 1836. She's trapped in the ice in the Davis Straits between Baffin Island and the west coast of Greenland. The thermometer is dropping and they're starting to burn bits of their own ship to keep warm. Tuesday, 29th November. Clear weather but intensely cold. The thermometer being of no use, the quicksilver sunk into the bowl. This is the coldest day we have had yet, and we feel it very much. Replenished the oil cask this day with 22 gallons of neat oil. A mizzen top gallant mast also cut up for fuel. Logbooks like this have helped us understand that Arctic air temperatures are currently rising at twice the global average rate. As the Greenland ice sheet melts, so the global sea level rises. Hello everyone, today I'm in wonderful Greenwich at the National Maritime Museum to see their new contemporary maritime photography exhibition. It's called Exposure Lives at Sea and it deals with some heavyweight issues. We rely on our oceans for food, ecosystem services, energy and transportation, but it's a world rarely seen. To open this up, the National Maritime Museum have created this exhibition in which the experience of work and play at sea will be explored through the lenses of six seafarers and researchers. The photographs vary from the large-scale panoramic to the intensely intimate and bring together photography taken from all over the world, from the reefs of Mexico to the isolation of Antarctica. And they document the myriad ways that life can be spent at sea. Perceptions of the sea often recall historical rather than contemporary realities, but the two, of course, are essentially intertwined. You can see important themes such as isolation and camaraderie, science and survival, climate change and conservation, and the lived experiences of men and women whilst they are at sea. Commercial fisher Cory Arnold is one. His photographs contrast the icy cold of the Alaskan sea with the warmth of the camaraderie amongst the seafarers with which he lives on board. 
in Scotland, Peter Ian Campbell specifically trained to work on oil rigs in order to capture their the unique experiences of the people working there. And he reveals those human stories of people working in one of the most challenging environments on earth. Michael Christofferwitz's photography captures isolation in one of the most remote places on earth, the British Antarctic Survey's Halley 4 research station also tells a touching story of how he remained close to his partner during this separation. Caesar Gabriel is a seafarer and photographer who spent an additional three months at sea in 2020, unable to dock in Brazil due to the coronavirus pandemic. Physical and mental challenges of life at sea are beautifully displayed through his photographs. Jennifer Adler, a conservation photographer and underwater journalist, shows us an uncharted world beneath the surface. And through her, we explore how best we can protect that environment. In Mexico, Octavio Alberto uses his photography to question how you can balance ecotourism and development. Anyway, it's enough from me. I think it's time I took you into the exhibition to meet the curator behind this all, the excellent Laura Boone. She is the Lloyd's Register Foundation Public Curator for Contemporary Maritime at the Royal Museums in Greenwich. I'm here with Laura Boone at this wonderful new um, new exhibition. There's some dramatic footage going on from the top of a of a container ship there, which is something you see as soon as you walk in. Um, it's a fantastic idea. This it's something that really strikes uh, a chord with me because I've spent so much of my time at sea. What was the thinking behind the project? Um, I think. The thinking behind it was that so often when we talk about maritime, we talk about big numbers. So we talk about 60,000 ships at sea or 85% of all of our trade coming by sea. And the kind of people behind it are a little bit obscured by that. Um, So the aim of the exhibition was really to kind of people maritime, as it were, and and find a little bit about the lives of of those people that are still working at sea today. How did you source these people? How did you track them down? (laughs) Make your shortlist. It's not very glamorous, I'm afraid. It was a lot of time spent on Google and reading articles. Um, One of our um, photographers, Caesar, we even found on Facebook through the the Facebook group that he ran. So because of some of our photographers not being so well known, it it did take a little bit of time just to to find them through lots of keyword searches. (laughs) How many photographers do you have? Um, So there's six photographers in the exhibition and all of them represent a slightly different view and a slightly um, different sector of maritime. Have you got a favourite one? No, of course, not. <laughs> of course she does. She's just nodding at one of the balls. Well, I tell you what, let's have a um, let's walk over here. Let's start over here because this looks fascinating. So, um, Laura, who have we got here? Um, so here we have Mike, who was a data manager with the British Antarctic Survey, um, and Mike set himself the challenge that every day he would take at least uh, one photograph that he, he posted on a blog. Um, so he was posted at the Haley Research Station, um, and during the nine months of the winter season, it has a crew of just 13 people. So this is very much kind of documenting his life as, as part of that team. Yeah, and you get a, a sense of... Um, it, it's a funny mixture, isn't it, of, of being isolated but also being surrounded by penguins <laughs> primarily, but also, um, you know, comrades, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think through Mike's photography, really, this, this sense of community comes out. And it, it's so important um, that obviously being such a small team and so, so isolated um, that they kind of get on well and, and you can see how they, in their downtime, kind of entertain themselves um, and also how they they stay connected 
um, back to home and, and the people that they've left behind. Let's go over and have a look at this, this image here where you've got a... Um, what have we got here? We've got a lady in a swimming cap with her arms... Is that a swimming cap with her arms raised? Um, I think it's a, a very colourful woolly hat and some, okay. maybe some ski goggles on uh, top. So this is actually their fakemus day. So um, due to um, the arrival of supplies coming, they weren't able to celebrate celebrate Christmas Day on the, the day itself, so they, they celebrated a fakemus, which uh, some of us might be doing this year as well, um, a few days later. Um, but the first supply planes came, so they were um, interrupted from their festivities and um, researching the station manager, and, and she had to um, uh, kind of uh, do some air traffic control and, and bring the supply train airplane in, and she didn't have time to kind of change into her more usual um, cold weather gear. Yeah, not dressed appropriately for, for, for being at the ends of the earth. No. <laughs> um, there's, a lovely, there's a lovely picture next to it here as well, this, um, this one I... I, I particularly like. So we've got. Um, yeah, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, so this is one of the images that I think kind of surprises you. It seems a little bit out of um, out of place, as it were. Um, and it shows two people in kind of bright orange prison-style jumpsuits, and then um, one of them's up against the the height board, holding up a sign from um, Haley Prison. <laughs> And um, so this isn't actually a reflection on, um, well, maybe it is, on their, their feelings of, of being stuck there. Um, but every year, it's all of the different um, stations, even though they're, they're thousands of miles apart in some cases, um, do a film competition between the different stations. Um, and, and this is just a still from, from um, their film. It's, um, a, it's a fake of a... Um of an ID photograph that's taken when you're arrested. Yes. And what they've done cleverly is they've, they've turned their, their, their whiteboard into the height board with black strips going along it so you can see how high they are. Um, this is Ross Sanders who's holding up his... T-boy, uh, a a teaspoon, t- sorry. T- teaspoon boy Sanders. So. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I think it gives a, a really great sense of just the kind of the, the fun and joy that they have so that although they're, they're very very isolated they're, I mean you would have to find ways to entertain yourself I, I, I think you would and um, um, that's so true for so much of, um, of, of, of the maritime world of maritime history yeah um, let's wander off come on um, so this takes this idea of isolation um, a bit further because it's they're not just isolated they're stationary as well <laughs> which is really disappointing if you're going to be at sea you're isolated and you're stationary that's right everyone um, we're looking at images taken from an oil rig um, where is this one in particular um, so these are in the north sea oil fields yeah um so uh, peter ian campbell um actually started off as a photographer was very interested in finding out more about the oil industry being based up in Scotland. It's kind of on the the periphery, but it is still this very hidden world. It's obviously taking place hundreds of miles offshore. Um, So he took the decision to to self-fund his offshore training um, and be employed on an oil rig in order so that he could document what life was like um, on board. Um, and it was actually about three months from getting his first job. And like any of us, he was kind of taking that time to, to learn the ropes, find his feet, before he actually took his first photograph. Mm. Um, and you'll notice that, that all of these photographs are square. Um, he actually shoots in film, um, which is partly a, a stylistic thing, um, but also a practical thing that it meant that he then didn't need a permit um, to having a piece of a, electrical equipment um, on the rigs. 
Um, there's a wonderful variety of like, images of the rigs themselves. It makes you wonder how he took those. He's on the must be on the bridge of a very large ship. Um, so the ones that you can see at the top, which are the external um, shots of the rigs, which is is very unusual to get. Um, you can see that they're they're rusted, they're decayed. These mm. aren't necessarily the images that the oil industry wants to to portray. Um, these are actually taken from the um, supply vessels. So he no longer actually works out on the rigs and instead he joins the supply vessels. Um, so crew are flown out to the rigs on helicopters, which are really expensive. All of kind of food and equipment um, goes out by kind of small boat. Um, so he now um, joins these boats. Um, and it means that he's able to get these really unusual external shots, um, including the, the final shot that actually just shows the, the leftover concrete legs of a decommissioned yeah. um, oil rig. Um, and that's something that he looks at in his work. Is um, this, this is a particularly beautiful photograph, actually, isn't it? Because it shows the legs, the foundations of the oil rig, but they're exactly at the same height as the horizon. Yeah. So what you've got is just a gap, an absence <laughs> of where there might have been something at one, at one time. It makes you think as well about the history of these things. Um, you know, it's, when you, you see contemporary oil rigs like this, you, it immediately makes you kind of plants you there and makes you wonder about what life is like there. But then at the same time, um, you know, they've been doing it for generations, yeah. haven't they? Um, and something that uh, Peter Ian talks about in his, his work and his motivation is he sees this as a historical record that he's taking now. Yeah. So a lot of these oil rigs are are being considered for decommissioning, the oil um, fields themselves are maturing as we move away from fossil fuels. So this is him kind of capturing this this moment in time, as it were, um, as it, it begins to change. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> History happening in front of your eyes. Um, now this, this is something completely different. Um, yep, so here we have um, Dr. Jennifer Adler's work. Um, she started off as an, an academic. Um, she was studying freshwater um, biology. And I think her motivation perhaps was realizing that a lot of people just really don't understand the underwater world. Although we're kind of very reliant on it for what we refer to as ecosystem services, actually our understanding of it is, is very, very low. Um, so once she finished her PhD, um, she decided to start documenting science happening. So in front of us we have um, wonderful pictures of coral reef study and restoration um, and also some images that I always feel are quite kind of Bond girl-esque with the, the spear guns um, collecting small um, fish to, to study them um, but it's her kind of opening up this this world that otherwise we wouldn't see of, of science in action as yep. it were. I, I, I love this one in the middle let's just back up here and have a look at this one um, so it looks like three antlers of, of a <laughs> tiny reindeer, uh, but actually they're pieces of coral, and yeah. they're, they're being—they're tiny. They're, they're th three, three. They're the size of a finger, yeah. and they're being tagged with cable ties. Um, and you just get a sense of how minute <laughs> um, and how careful is the care of these coral reefs. Yeah. Um, how how, how sort of um, specific and tiny it needs to be and focused. Yeah, um, so it's it's really methodical work. So they've had to drill into the the seabed itself to make a little, little space uh, for the coral. It's then implanted, and as you say, they're then using um, cable ties, which come to the rescue in all occasions, <laughs> um, to just uh, secure it in. Um, so this uh, these photos, some of them referred to as coral reef gardeners. I um, mean, you do really get a sense that. Um, as you say, they're just really meticulously um, restoring damaged areas of reef. 
um, and this has been a kind of groundbreaking project um, in the Florida Keys that is now being replicated worldwide because as we know that there's unfortunately huge areas of coral reef that have become degraded um, so one thing that people are looking at is if it's possible to um, restore them in this, this manner. Yeah, it's um, the only thing I can compare it with like through the scale of it is maybe giving someone a hair transplant <laughs> strand by strand yeah. except you're trying to cover the entirety of this coral <laughs> reef with pieces of coral. Um, so it's so admirable and again it makes you all of these cutting edge images of what's happening now, what is happening right now with the planet it makes you think about how you know other people have spent their time underwater in the past. Yeah, um, and it, if it wasn't for these photographs it's just something that we, we wouldn't be able to see. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's go explore more. Mm. This is so much fun. What's yeah. around the corner? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, um, let's have a look at this, this image here. It's it's great because it's a it's an it's an aerial photograph. It's taken from above, isn't it? Taken from the bridge of a ship, looking down on the deck, and there are one, two, three, four, five men in curious poses <laughs> in water. And um, I think what they've done is it's baking hot wherever they are, and they've flooded the deck to create a swimming pool. Yeah. Um. So the, this photo is taken in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and it, I think it's one of the works that at first kind of attracted me to, to Caesar's um, project because it's, it's just so striking. It takes you a little while to work out what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a hot sunny day and to kind of cool off and, and relax, they've, they've flooded the deck, as it were, to, to make this rather impromptu swimming pool. Um, it's, it's something that speaks of, of time being spent at sea. When you yeah. think of sailors doing their sailory stuff, um, it's only a fraction of the time, isn't it? They've yeah. got huge expanses of time that needs to be filled. Now, yeah. um, they're often doing work, but there is leisure as well, isn't there? Yeah, um, and, and Caesar talks about the importance of... Um, it, it, the, the photo is called blowing off steam, but this importance of kind of relaxing. Um, lots of their jobs are very kind of pressurised, very time-sensitive. They've, they've got a lot of responsibility on their shoulders. So getting together as a crew and, and just enjoying themselves and relaxing um, is, is extremely important for their, their well-being. 
And they're genuinely relaxing here, whereas <laughs> yeah. in the photograph behind, one of them is covered in honey and jam. Yes. I think, isn't it? So um, this is, I think this, this is enjoyable relaxation. Yeah. And this is, this is something that has an ancient history, isn't it, what we're looking at here? Yeah, so the, the photos you're referring to are a set that, that look at crossing the line, um, which is an, an ancient tradition that, that seafarers um, still observe today to celebrate crossing the equator. So for a seafarer whose first time it is, um, he's set kind of challenges by Neptune. Um, he's tested by the devil. Um, we have a photograph of the, the devil on board that ship who appears to have a wig made out of a mop, perhaps. <laughs> he does. What do you reckon his horns are made out of? I can't work that out. Um, they look almost wooden, and then he's got a kind of paper mache. Snout. like kind of pig snout, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and once upon a time, crossing the line could actually be quite a, a brutal thing on a ship, especially on very young crew members. It, it, in some cases, it's almost like hazing. Um, whereas now, although they've kept the, the traditions of the kind of mythology behind it, you still have representations of, of Neptune, god of the sea. Um, it has softened a little bit. So um, we do have our crew member made to, to crawl through some sort of cylinder. Um, but instead of actual oil, um, they've made up a concoction of kind of tomato ketchup, honey. I think there's some chocolate spread in there. Um, I think they've put a little, maybe a bit too much ketchup in this mix because it's quite red. It looks almost blood-like. Um, and then the final image, we have someone... Well, let me just say that a, um, a, a, a critic would say... say <laughs> actually, no, do it the other way around. A positive person would say that this man has a one-man jacuzzi, yeah. doesn't he? He has a solo jacuzzi. A critic would say that he's standing up in a wheelie bin full of water. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so... Or in, in symbolism, he's bathing three times in seawater. I see. Um, but it's obviously quite, it's probably quite practical as well if you've just um, crawled through a rather sticky um, mess of honey and all sorts. Um, but yeah, so that's the final part is this kind of idea of sea baptism. Um, so yeah, it's, it's wonderful to see that it's, as a tradition, still continuing today. And I think for seafarers, kind of marking these occasions at sea are, are really important, both to kind of break up the journey, but also to, to really build that, that sense of community. Yeah, and it, it is an international community, isn't it? We're looking at faces from all over the world here. And although there are five men here, but there are, you know, it's very much balanced between men and women. Um, yeah, definitely. So Caesar himself is um, Romanian, um, but he does spend most of his time off the, the coast of Brazil now. But during his career, he has travelled all across the world. Hmm. Let's have a look at these remarkable ones behind us here. Um, There's a lovely quote actually behind it. Photography is a very good way to convince decision makers to change their perspectives in favour of the environment. And, um, you know, here are eight, eight photographs which very much uh, support that, don't they? Yeah, so um, Dr Octavio Berte um, is an academic. Um, he spent his kind of life committed to promoting... Uh, sustainable fishing and marine protected areas um, but he sees his photography as a way of um, as you say really changing people's opinions by he's really committed to the idea that if you show people the underwater world um, they they will understand it more and hopefully um, be encouraged to um, protect it I, lo I love that actually I reckon if you show pictures um, people pictures of the underwater world they they understand it less, which makes them want to understand it more. I mean, this picture of, a, of, a, of someone swimming amongst 50,000 fish. 
Yeah, um, so what's incredible about um, the image in front of us with all of the fish is that this is taken from a marine protected area and around 20 years ago this was an area with very few fish. It had been completely overfished, um, although there was still some commercial fishing continuing, it was becoming really unprofitable um, and the community and the decision makers made the difficult decision to actually stop fishing, um, which hurt them financially. Uh, short term but now as you can see the area is uh, recovered to an amazing extent um, and there's some um, kind of community fishing that occurs um, but also there's lots of kind of ecotourism so um, it, it does show a really kind of hopeful um, idea in there as well that through marine protected areas um, we can kind of protect and also regenerate um, areas. A, a real contrast to the sort of the beauty of it is the, the, the visceral reality of fishing. And, and here we're looking at an image of uh, four yellow legs, so two, <laughs> two men. They are, you can't see their feet because they are covered in guts yes. of fish. Um, and there's blood just everywhere. What's going on there? Um, so I think this is, is showing the, the reality of fishing. Mm. Um, I really love this image just for the kind of the contrast of the colours and the the brightness of the images. But I think it's it was really important for us that we we're also showing the reality of people in their day to day life. And and sometimes when we show subjects like community fishing, it, they can be slightly posed photos or um, sometimes the the blood the blood and the gore, as it were, gets kind of edited out. And and, and we didn't want to do that. No. Um... It's 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 all work and no play there, isn't it? Um, and beneath it is it's wonderful actually. You're thinking about the the animals that died to make that photograph, and here you've got one. You've got a, a seal, sea lion. Yeah, a that, sea lion. that is sea lion playing. Okay, playing in a forest is what that sea lion is doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of spinning round, looking at his or her. Uh, flippers having a, a truly wonderful time. I'd, I'd like to swim around in there, but that's the um, gives a sense of the sort of three-dimensional craziness in colour and, and mm. you know the physicality of what the seabed can look like. Yeah, um, and and it's in a, a kelp forest, um, which is made up of these kind of giant uh, brown seaweeds, and and this is a. A habitat that we, we don't think very much about <laughs> um, but actually is really really important um, both as a, a place for kind of species to breed and live um, but also it does a great job of, of capturing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and producing oxygen so a really vital um, ecosystem but perhaps one that hasn't had as much attention as things like coral reefs underwater. Yeah and with all of these they change that's the whole point they, they, they are changing they have changed over time they will look different in the future which means even though it's a completely natural image there it's got its own history that you know um, and you can get a real sense of, of impending change, maybe. Um, Corey Arnold, let's see what he's been up to. Hello, Corey. Um, Corey has worked seasonally, seasonally as a fisher in Alaska since 1995 on the salmon and crab boats. And we've got some uh, remarkable images here. Yeah. Um, so, Corey, as you said, works as a commercial fisherman. He now is captain of his own boat. Um, and he spends three months every year um, as part of the, the fishing community of the uh, largest kind of salmon run in the world. Um, so his photos um, 
are really great at exploring both the relationship that people have with the sea and they have with the fish and they have with um, kind of the, the extreme weathers. <laughs> you, um, in front of us there's an image of, of someone really being battered uh, by the waves on the ship. Um, it almost needs a, a, an audio sound to go yeah. with that of a huge bang as a wave crashes into the, the bows of this ship and it's taken a split second afterwards where this fisherman is um, surrounded by, by, by spray. Yeah, it's an incredible image just capturing that 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 perfect moment. Um, yeah. But he also explores, um, like many of our photographers, the kind of sense of community and also fun that's that's happening on these boats. So one image that I'm always impressed with is the the image of someone doing a handstand on a, a rather icy deck at, at sea. Do you know what? I, th- I think it's the most dangerous photograph I've ever seen. <laughs> Literally, is it is a someone upside down on an icy moving deck. Uh, falling in is not going to be great, is it? Um, but yeah, incredible, incredible skill. Um, Such, I, I, you know, you get a real sense of the kind of the, the joy and the camaraderie, but and also how close you are to nature and how being at sea puts you in a, in a unique position of awareness of the world around you. You get a lot of it, of this um, in in diaries in the 17th and 18th century, and people who've never been to sea just sort of going. This is completely unbelievable. I've seen stuff I've never seen before. And, and it, it brings them closer to nature, which is why I think this whole exhibition is so important. Um, the, uh, <laughs> this one, he's, he's hugging an enormous salmon. It's covered in blood. It's his yeah. best friend. Yeah, so um, <laughs> that uh, photo and the, the person, there's just a very joyous look on his face. Um, and Corey says for him, this really sums up the, the relationship between the, the fisher and and the fish there is a a love there as it were within the um the, the slight brutality perhaps yeah um and and then to the right of it you so say you've got him with his 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 fishy friend mm. and then and then his actual friends let's go and have a look at this <laughs> yeah um so the the photo in front of us shows a, a kind of a group of, of people um on a um, kind of disused and, and very derelict um, boat um, and this is part of the community that gather each year at a place called Graveyard Point um, in Alaska. It's a disused um, salmon cannery um, and they basically kind of almost like squat there <laughs> every year um, for the, the fishing season um, and, and Corey is part of that community, he photographs it um, and I think this group shot was really great. Every time I look at it I notice something slightly different um, yeah. in someone's face or it's, it's just a wonderful group shot. I should say there, there are 19, I think, mm-hmm. 19 people here all crowded onto onto the, a grey wreck. There are, all of these people are wearing brightly, brightly coloured fishing clothes and they're against the backdrop of a, of a grey, knackered <laughs> um, ship. Um, yeah, and, and again, it comes back to this sort of, this funny mixture of camaraderie and isolation. Yeah, yeah. Um, and slightly kind of poignantly to this image is just to the right um, we have a protest flag mm. um, which just has pebble mine with a big crossed uh, red out on it um, and this is currently a community that, that feels like it's, it's way of life and their kind of continuation is threatened by a proposed um, metal mine uh, called pebble mine um, that is proposed to be developed um, just upstream um, so Corey is, is heavily opposed to the mine um, and himself and a lot of other people are arguing that if it goes ahead, it's going to lead to a huge drop in water quality, which would affect 
um, the, the salmon run, which is currently managed sustainably, um, and really kind of threaten both their way of life and that of the indigenous local people. Hmm. It makes you realise that everyone in this photograph, all of these 19 people, everyone's got their own lives, their own background, their own reasons for being there, their own contemporary interests, but you know, it'll all be coloured in one way or another by, uh, by how they make their living. Definitely, and, and all of them... Um, yeah, they come from all over the US, some even further afield, um, and just united for this kind of fishing season. Um, it's quite interesting, actually, Corey himself, although he um, was always interested in fishing, he started fishing with his, his dad. Um, the reason why he became a commercial fisherman is because he graduated into one of the economic crashes. Um, he realised that he was unlikely to be able to make um, money as a commercial photographer. So instead he became a crab fisherman, which um, there's the image in front of us, which is the self-portrait um, on the crabbing vessel. Um, Let's have a quick look at that. I can't which, quite see it. <laughs> um, so he's perched on top of these, these <laughs> giant uh, cages. It's um, Wow. Yeah. I'm surprised he's not doing a handstand. Yeah. So, so seriously precarious. Yeah, seriously precarious. You've got these crab pots. There must be one, two, three. Uh, there must be 30 crab pots, 50 crab pots. Yeah. He's on top of them working with a crane, which is preparing to lift one off and I suspect cast it mm. into the sea. So that'll be baited and ready to go. And, and this really heavy wave action. It's pitch black. Um, <laughs> I wonder if anyone did a risk assessment <laughs> yeah. for, that, for that job because, I mean... It would be a miracle if he came back with all of his fingers. Um, so crabbing, especially at this time, um, there's been a few more safety measures that have come in. It was extremely um, dangerous, um, but you can get quite a high price for the, the crabs, yeah. perhaps, perhaps as a reflection of that. Um, so that's yeah how he became a fisherman, really. Oh, it's a wonderful story. I mean, see, and also it reminds you that seafaring, you know, it's always been a dangerous occupation, um, and it it really. It, it marks and scars people, I think, and well, certainly changes the way um, the way they think about life. And that, you've really brought that brought that to life here. It's wonderful. Um, so, how how would people come and see the exhibition? We're, we're talking because it, I mean, it's a silly question, but we are in lockdown. What are your plans for opening up? Um, so, we are hoping to open as soon as as legally possible. Um, and then, like many museums, we're operating a ticket system. The tickets are completely free, but you just need to go onto our website um, to, to book a ticket. And then um, we're operating under uh, COVID safe spacing. Um, you'll notice that the, the exhibition feels quite airy, um, which, which is great, but it's, it's been designed with COVID um, spacing in mind. So there's, there's definitely plenty of space to uh, socially distance within the exhibition. Yeah, and I'd encourage everyone who's listening to this to, to do their best to come and see it. I, it's inspirational. Um, and I, I think life-affirming and life-changing. It's wonderful. Well done. Thank you. Well, I do hope you have enjoyed this episode. And if you want to help out, please do everything you can to spread the word. And the best thing you can do, of course, if you're not a member already, it's join the Society for Nautical Research at snr.org.uk. You can find us all over social media. Do please get in touch. And we'll be back soon with another episode.